folding pocket. The Fast and the Curious is part of the Acast Creators Network. You enjoy it now. Hello, welcome to the Fast and the Curious post-Azerbaijan Grand Prix. Now, guys, I think we need to start by apologising to our listeners um, for lying to them. Because at hang the on, end of... Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Baku! <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. I can't wait for this weekend to be over so we don't have to keep going over this joke. I'm going on holiday for the Azerbaijan Grand Prix next year and someone else can fill in. Yeah, and me. I can't believe that you didn't just humour me and just say bless you. Bless you. Bless you, Greg. No, fuck you, actually. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we lied to our listeners, guys, so we need to apologise to them because at the end of last week's episode, or this week's episode, at the end of the, the last episode we did, we said that you wouldn't hear from us if it was a shit race. Yet, our listeners are hearing from us even though it was a very shit race. Are we apologising for being here yes. at the start? I mean, it's not the most confident of starts to a broadcast, is it? Not really. Christian, you you have just been saying shit jokes the whole time to try and get yourself through it. And Greg, you gave up and went to the shop to buy yourself some sweets. I this did. is the situation we're in, lads. Well, it got to sort of 16 laps to go and I thought, well, probably nothing much happening here. So I'm going to go and buy a Kit Kat Chunky. And I did and I didn't regress it. Just before we go into some of the sort of interesting points of this race, Christian, can you just recap who came where? Yeah, good win for Sergio Perez. Crucial for the World Championship. He got ahead of Max Verstappen, who was second. And Charles Leclerc, who's had a shocking season so far, finished third. So some much-needed respite for Ferrari. Uh, Fernando Alonso struggled with DRS problems this weekend and the Aston Martin didn't quite have the pace it's had on previous weekends. So Fernando had to settle for fourth. Carlos Sainz fifth, nowhere near Charles Leclerc's pace this weekend. Lewis Hamilton sixth, Lance Stroll seventh, George Russell eighth, Lando Norris ninth, and a welcome point for Yuki Tsunoda, who rounds out the top 10. I should have just said who finished on the podium, but Christian, go on, just do the whole bloody thing. 11th was Oscar Piastri. <laughs> no, 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 please don't. We don't have time for this, Christian. Can I just say, I tweeted to say, niche shout out, but as it's a street race, anyone reading this do their commute on the Baku, bless you, circuit. And quite a few people got in touch, actually, which is quite interesting. Did they? Because obviously, that those are the main streets in Baku. And actually, there's some sort of funny, <laughs> funny tweets from people just saying, normal day in Baku, really busy and exciting traffic and race. Race day in Baku, nothing happening. <laughs> <laughs> there's, um, there's someone else here who is a taxi driver. Their taxi commute is usually right down the straight. That is brilliant. The idea of a street race is obviously it is a street, but it's like just going past cafes and stuff, which does blow my mind a little bit because it's it's quite it's quite a weird circuit, isn't it? That Christian. Yeah, I mean, street circuits are known for being tight. Uh, like Monaco is the always like the, the, the go to example of a street circuit. But what normally happens with Baku is because it's got tight, twisty bits where you do go past cafes and a castle but then there's also big wide bits where you can overtake it's like modern street circuits now normally most of the Baku Grand Prix have been quite good the first ever one was rubbish but actually most of them have been quite good but I, I, I've had a few people tweet me since been doing this podcast because I like I've said like oh I've really enjoyed the first three races been like did you really though are you always enthusiastic well let me tell you for the first time on the Fast and the Curious I can happily say that race was rubbish and rubbish <laughs> F1 races 
fortunately, are few and far between nowadays. But it's like any sport, there are rubbish football matches, there are rubbish cricket matches, and that, my friends, was a rubbish Grand Prix, and sometimes it happens and we have to deal with it. But there were some interesting bits. I mean, I think the Formula 1 commentators have now done to death the Taylor Swift puns, which we were doing last week, and we won't do them anymore. Tried way too hard. Yeah, it seemed like there were a couple of... A couple of interesting bits. Do you want to talk about the Max Verstappen pitting situation, Christian? Because that's sort of where F1 loses me a bit. I go, oh, what, they're gaming the system because there might be a safety car or then what, what what's going on there? Yeah, I get this a lot. I get asked this question a lot as, as why is pitting under a safety car an advantage? So what happened was Max Verstappen pitted and obviously everyone's going at full speed. Then the safety car comes out, everyone slows down, and then Sergio Perez came in for his pit stop when everyone was slowing down. Because everyone's going slower, you lose less time to your rivals. So Sergio was able to get in and out in front of Max, despite the fact that when the safety car came out, he was behind Max. It's because Max had slowed down. Now, in terms of where I think it was a bit of a mistake, I mean, Red Bull have said the timing was unfortunate, but Nick de Vries had spun and there were double waved yellow flags and the car was stationary. It looked to me, I'm thinking this is going to be a safety car. I think what Max Verstappen's race engineers and his strategists should have been saying is this could be a safety car. Max, stay out for another lap. Because if there was a safety car, then both cars would have pitted under the safety car and came out as they were. Right. But they didn't. They brought Max in as planned. Sergio came in a lap later and Sergio gained the advantage. Uh, does that make sense? Have I explained that well enough? Mm. Yeah, really well. It's odd though, isn't it? It's an odd thing where you're sort of praying for a safety car. I mean, even some of the chat on the team radio, if I can't remember which, which team it was, they were saying, oh, unless, you know, unless we get a safety car now, we're going to have to sit in this position. It's quite quite weird for a sport to be like that isn't it it is but I also love it because and I again I've had this a lot in my DMs even before we started doing this podcast a safety car neutralizes the race so you can be 35 seconds in front and dominating the race a safety car can come out and you lose that advantage because everyone bunches together Mm. it is just motorsport because safety cars are essential it's not a new thing. Safety cars have been around a long time and in lots of different forms of motorsport as well. So I think it's one of the quirks of motorsport that I enjoy. It's not dissimilar, I suppose, to being cruising 2-0 up in a football match and all of a sudden your goalkeeper gets sent off <laughs> and all of a sudden the match is flipped. So it's I like it. and it, But I actually don't think the safety car helped us today because... One of the things we're going to discuss is Sergio Perez won this race today. So he closed the gap on Max Verstappen in the World Championship. But Sergio Perez has had great pace all weekend. He won the sprint race and Sergio looked great. And Sergio was closing on Max Verstappen when the safety car came out. I actually think we might have got an epic Max v Checo battle had it not have been for the safety car. So I don't think the safety car helped Checo to win and it's helped close up the championship. But in terms of a spectacle today, we might have got a bit more of a battle, a bit more of a drama had that not happened. How interesting is it? On equal terms almost, Checo beat Max Verstappen on a sort of like level playing field, which kind of doesn't really happen that often. Well, great question. And for me, so that's happened twice this year because it happened in Saudi Arabia. Yes, Max was coming from the back because he'd had problems in qualifying. But in Saudi Arabia, Sergio's pace was excellent. This weekend, Sergio's pace was excellent. Excuse me, hiccuping. Bless you. Thank you. 
<laughs> that's staying in now, isn't it? Um, I actually, <laughs> I actually think that it's not that significant, sadly, because there are the odd track where Serge, Sergio is a really good F1 driver, and there is the odd track where he's going to be capable of challenging Max. Saudi is one of them. Baku, bless you is one of them. King of the streets. Yeah, King of the streets is what he's being called. Uh, Monaco, I think, is another one. We've got another 20-odd races left to go. I don't think we will see Sergio have the pace that he had today across lots of races in the season. And I still think Max will win the championship from Sergio quite comfortably. What I would love is Sergio to prove me wrong. What makes you a good driver on in the street races? Like what, what are the differences that you have to have to be good? I think on a street race, the concentration levels required are enormous. And I think you have to have ability in yourself to push the car to the absolute limit, knowing if you push the car beyond the limit in Bahrain, a big wide circuit, you'll just run wide. But on a circuit like Baku, you'll go into the wall. (laughs) There is a theory that Sergio is quite good on tight, twisty sections. Maybe a sweeping fast track like Monza, that's more Max Verstappen territory. I think essentially you're not allowed to be a tourist. I think if you like travelling around and seeing the world, you'll be terrible at a street race. (laughs) Not give a shit about the beautiful fortress. The fortress walls, I couldn't... I would be like Charles Leclerc when he drove into the wall in 2019 because I'd be going, oh my God, look at that fortress. It's beautiful. This is exactly what I was going to say. I'd be like, oh my God, the pretty castle. And then boom, <laughs> into the wall. So <laughs> like you can't be inquisitive. You can't go, gosh, this would be someone's commute on a Monday morning. Oh God! <laughs> you have to be completely immune to your surroundings. So obviously in the last episode, we talked about the new sprint race format. We've had a couple of questions that have come in, Christian. Christian, what what was your view? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, well, obviously the big change is that Saturday's was dominated by the sprint with the new sprint shootout qualifying on Saturday morning, then the sprint race on Saturday. But that sprint race no longer set the grid for Sunday. Instead, slightly confusingly, on Friday, we had the main Grand Prix qualifying. I'm, I, I didn't hate it. That's good. I, I, I've said before... I I want to praise Formula One for trying to mix things up and trying to make things better. I'm not one of these people who just thinks they should just stick to the format forever. So I think credit to Formula One, they're trying. I liked watching qualifying knowing that that grid was going to form a race on the Sunday because sometimes I've watched qualifying and thought that would make a fascinating Grand Prix. Oh, but we've got the sprint, so it all could get mucked up. I liked elements of it. I just think I need to see it two or three more times and Formula One needs to see it two or three more times before we go, actually, that's a great idea. What I do like about it is bloody expensive to go to a Formula One Grand Prix and having an extra race rather than two practice sessions, which the sprint format does, gives people paying hundreds and hundreds of pounds to go to a Grand Prix lots more entertaining things to watch. Mm. Max Verstappen, who for this weekend only, I shall be nicknaming Grumpy Max because Max said on Thursday or Friday that, oh, we just should just scrap it. It doesn't work. I don't. I disagree. I think it's nice that F1 are looking at ways of improving the show. He was also grumpy though, wasn't he? Because George Russell drove into him, so kind of, kind of understand a little bit. On that, I mean, I mean, in the sprint, that was probably the most exciting point of the weekend. That down into turn one of the sprint race, <laughs> you know, George put a move up the insides. The two made contact. It's a complete racing incident for me. 
And you want to see drivers like George there being bold and throwing it up the inside because guess what? That's what Max Verstappen's made a career out of. Max is one of the most phenomenal racing drivers Formula One has ever seen. And part of the reason he's a double world champion is because he took the fight to Lewis Hamilton and went, guess what, mate? I'm here. I'm not backing out and I am going to go in hard. Hmm. And I've often used the term arrogance, but I think it's a positive trait in a world champion. I think you have to have that sort of arrogance to be like, I'm the best. So Max didn't like it being done to him, but probably that's what makes Max such a great. So I thought it was, I thought it was entertaining handbags and I quite, (laughs) quite liked seeing them bicker. It was good fun. Let's do a quick fire run through of the podcast co-hosts and how they have done. Starting with Logan Sargent, who finished P16. Uh, Logan will be disappointed with his weekend, I think, because he he had a crash in sprint shootout qualifying that ruled him out of the sprint race. But in main race qualifying, which was on Friday, he got into P2, showing his speed. What I think Logan will be looking to do is just put it all together. I think he's shown real flashes in these first four races of sheer ability and we know how much Williams think of him it all just needs to come together it'll be a bit disappointed with P16 but in the reality of how difficult it was to overtake today Williams didn't have the pace Alex Albon maximised everything he could for Williams this weekend as he most of the time tends to do bar that mistake in the race in Australia he's been exceptional this year a phenomenal qualifying performance in the sprint qualifying was very unlucky not to get himself uh, a point in the sprint both of our friends at Alpine Pierre Gasly and Esteban Ocon disappointing weekend for Alpine they finished 14th and 15th just didn't work for them so many things went wrong this weekend they know they're good enough to be in the points I think Alpine will just want to chalk this off and forget about it and move on Oscar Piastri's been very ill this weekend. Poor Oscar has been properly under the weather. He ate too many of his grandma's cakes or whatever they were. <laughs> too many lamingtons. Maybe that was it. But Oscar <laughs> did brilliantly well to be right up on the pace of Lando this weekend and was unlucky not to get a point in P11. Again, Oscar's doing very, very well. I think he's justifying why McLaren was so keen to put him in that car. Lando scrapped into the points in P9, which he'll be pleased with. McLaren's upgrades look promising. A decent step forward for them this weekend. George Russell, eighth. Again, just uh, fell unfortunately in the safety car, got bogged down a little bit, not his best weekend. Lewis P6 was probably as good as he was going to get because the Ferraris and the Aston Martin of Fernando Alonso were just quicker. So, uh, yeah, no of our friends, no spectacular raving successes, but a decent step forward for Lando and McLaren, I think. Let's talk about Chloe. Yes. Chloe Grant, who was on the last episode of the podcast. You interviewed her brilliantly. If you haven't heard that interview with Betty and Christian, it's on the last episode. And it's a fascinating insight into the F1 Academy, which is a new category that Formula One have done for female drivers. And it's sort of, they're looking at it to be a a bit of a a training ground and a proving ground to getting some more women racing in F1. And so the season started in Vienna and she messaged me from Vienna Airport. She's off to Valencia for round two. She flies straight there, which is very exciting. I said, well done on a very tough weekend. And she says, uh, it was a big learning experience for both me and the team. Thanks so much for the support. She was P9 in her final race. Uh, There were three races and she finished P9 in the final one. So a solid top 10 in the final race. She'll be be, um, looking to build on that and suspect after a a, a tricky first couple of races she'll be really happy with P9 in the final one and look to build from there so well done Chloe good to get your debut out the way and get it done and uh, yeah she'll look and go and build on that in Valencia and by the way I'm a big fan of the city of Valencia has an excellent zoo (laughs) 
Uh, like they have this little penguin enclosure where all the penguins roam about outside went there on a lovely hot day uh, so yeah if you're ever in Valencia the zoo <laughs> is worth a trip and also F1 raced in Valencia for a brief period of time and then buggered off and it sort of left the track so there's bits of abandoned F1 track in Valencia as well if you're ever there maybe you can go and check that out <laughs> I think I may be the only person interested in an abandoned F1 track but I'd love to go and have a poke around I did quite a, a bit of digging around the F1 Academy some of the some of the other drivers and just looking at their ages and Chloe is way in the in the younger end of it all. Marta Garcia, who won the first race, she's twenty two or something. So she's got a lot of time to, you know. It's just it's great for her just to be competing, isn't oh, it? Yeah. Well done to Chloe and everyone who raced in the first F one Academy race at the weekend. The next one is in Valencia, which has a lovely zoo. I'm told. It does <laughs> great zoo. But look, I'm excited because we're going to have another destination critiques by Christian Hugill because you're off on your travels, aren't you? I am off on my travels. I have been asked so many times this year, are you going to be at any of the races? Well, hopefully a couple. And I can exclusively reveal on the Fast and the Curious that my first race of the year will be in Miami. And I go to Miami. We are recording this Sunday after the race and I'm going on Wednesday. And I am ludicrously excited. Ludicrously excited. Have you packed yet, Christian? No, that's Tuesday's job. I've got a lot of equipment to pack. I've got, I had a nightmare, well not a nightmare, that's a strong word, I had a dream that I forgot my shorts and had to buy shorts while out there last night, so I need to pack shorts because it's 32 degrees there, but no, not packed yet. If that's the extent of your nightmares, then... Uh, I'm quite jealous of your life. Like not packing shorts is—I is, wouldn't say that's <laughs> particularly awful. No, no, yeah, no, fine. The nightmare was a strong term. No, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to admit that. No, I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm slightly nervous, excited, more excited than nervous, but a bit nervous. Well, tell us what you're going to be doing. I am going to be working for the BBC. Uh, so I'm going to be the pit lane reporter for Five Lives Formula One coverage, filling in for the amazing and wonderful Jenny Gow, who F1 fans will know. Jenny's an amazing broadcaster uh, and she had a stroke over the winter and is recovering well. Bless her. We love Jenny on this podcast and we're sending Jenny all the love in the world. Uh, but I'll be, uh, while Jenny continues her recovery, for one weekend only, stepping into her shoes as Five Live F1's pit lane reporter. But I'll be bringing my fast and curious microphone with me as well. And seeing if I can uh, drop in on some of our friends along the way and checking in with you guys, Gregory and Betty Wynn, while I am there. So, uh, yeah, expect some fast and curiousing as well while I'm um, darting about Miami. Well, look, don't be coy about it. Tell everybody who you're going to be chatting to. Got a little chat booked in with Lando Norris. So Lando will make his second appearance of the season. Yes. <laughs> when I get off the plane, I'm going to find Alex Albon and Logan Sargent. <laughs> but they're scheduled on the Wednesday is so loose that I don't fully know where either will be. <laughs> so one of or potentially both of Alex Alban and Logan Sargent will also be on the Fast and the Curious. And we'll see who else I can bump into, shall we? It's going to be fantastic. I hope you bump into Pitbull. Is Pitbull going to be there? Well, Pitbull is Mr. 305, which is the Miami area code. And so Pitbull is is very... I thought Pitbull was worldwide. Sorry, you are right. He is Mr. Worldwide. But he's also... He originally started as Mr. 305 and then became <laughs> then became Mr. Worldwide. He expanded himself. <laughs> I've just Googled this. And last year, a petition was set up to let Pitbull drive the safety car in the 2022 Miami Grand Prix. 
<laughs> Amazing. I'm sad to report it unfortunately only attracted 42 signatures and Pitbull did not replace the regular safety car driver, Bert Mylander. I think that's very sad. Absolutely gutting. If he's there, I'll try find him. I think that's a good challenge, isn't it? Try and find Pitbull. I'll try and d- I'll DM him, shall I? <laughs> See if we can... Uh... Greg, is there anyone's DMs who you haven't slid into? No. Well, that's exciting, but you're going to have such a brilliant time. So we're going to do a podcast where we feature the interviews that you collect from the Grand Prix. And we'll also just get your take on it all and and go through some of your highlights and all the rest of it. It's going to be what a fantastic bit of access you've got there. Yeah, I'm a lucky boy. I'm very, very excited. So um, I will look for the next time I talk to you guys. Normally I talk to you sat in my little desk room here as I amongst a load of F1 tap behind me. But next time I talk to you, I'll be... I don't know where I'll be, but I'll be in Miami somewhere. I personally cannot wait, Chris. Oh, thanks, Betty. I'm quite excited about the whole thing, to be honest with you. Okay, let's wrap up because I've got to go meet my mum at the garden centre and she's there waiting and uh, I feel bad. Lovely. I love a garden centre. I I really like a garden. Is it one of those ones where there's a cafe and stuff? There used to be a cafe, but it's actually closed down to make room for more garden things, which I think is fine. My mum's happy with that. I'm I'm doing the heavy lifting, quite literally, because I am going to be carrying bark back to her house you're such a good son i am actually yeah please tell me you didn't just bark then christian that is awful he did bark oh my god both of you are terrible i think on that note we need to wrap this up i'm sorry if greg's going back who bless you all weekend i can bloody well bark when greg says the word bark that is that we've set the line <laughs> we've set the standard <laughs> and with that i think we should end today's fast and the curious and we'll catch up with you christian as you are just about to leave Miami to come back home. So we're very excited to get the update on what happens when you're out there. I'll dig out my passport. Speak to you soon. Lots of love. Bye. Bye.